This is the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Now please welcome your host, Ed McKnight. Hello and welcome along to the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast. I am your host, Ed McKnight, and I am here over Skype today with my good friend, Luke Chivers. Uh, Now we're talking about a very important and powerful topic today. Uh, It is the topic of mental health uh, and eating disorders. And so I'll just pass it over to Luke to introduce himself. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Ed. And also thanks, Eats, for letting me be part of this podcast. Um, Yeah, I'm involved with AYP myself. Um, I'm fortunate to be the public relations uh, manager and I've been on board for close to a year now, which which is hard to believe. Uh, in my usual day-to-day work, I do public relations up in Auckland, and uh, yeah, this topic we're talking about tonight is certainly one that's close to home. Yeah, so we've, we often see in the media uh, people talking about, about mental health, particularly uh, millennials or young people, young professionals who are in their offices and are struggling. You know, we, we put out so much, all of our highlight reels on Facebook and social media, and on the outside, it can often appear to our friends and our family and our networks that everything's always A-OK, but it's... It, quite often isn't you know under underneath the surface we're we're struggling or we're hurting or there are um deeper mental health issues yeah that's completely right ed and you've you've nailed it on the head um and i think there's real a paradox to social media and there's you know a blessing um but also a curse to it where look we're seeing topics being discussed in a platform to talk about things which in the past have never been discussed and I think there's there's so much potential man it's really exciting to see people start to voice um, their opinions on various topics and raise certain things uh, at the same time look I think we're all guilty of this of, of seeing the lives of our friends or colleagues uh, lives on Facebook or various other social media platforms and it's deemed to be as though everything is always perfect or um you know, we put a filter almost over our entire life. Um, and so, look, I mean, I think it's really exciting to see us as millennials starting to really question that, um, starting to strip away the surface, but also trying to make use of, of the likes of social media and these platforms that we've got to actually turn it around for some more positive good. One of the reasons that uh, we're talking about this today is, uh, if, if I can start the story, Luke, um, late last year, Luke uh, approached me because we're on the the committee of the Auckland Young Professionals together and came out and said, look, I've got um, an eating disorder and I've been struggling for a while. And so what we want to talk about is is both the issue of mental health and what what that's like, but also as a friend, how can you how can you try and spot some of the signs and how also can you be there to support your friend? Yeah, that's right. And you know, give huge credit to you, Ed, for your response because uh, for somebody that had had little experience and exposure to eating disorders, you handled it remarkably well. And I just think with eating disorders in particular, there is a lot of misconception and misunderstanding as to what they even look like in a tangible sense and, and how to manage them. You know, what do you say in conversations? Um, I had actually at a young age had a family member of mine who had uh, experienced a severe eating disorder Yet, even despite that, I had very little understanding as to what they really, um, what they really were about, um, and and what 
kick-started them or what made them keep going on. And for me, it really came out of nowhere. Uh, it was four years ago. Um, I had a friend pass away, and I think that was just the tip of the iceberg. It was an inability to almost cope with that stress at the time and grief that um, inadvertently and, and, and unknown to me, I tried to control things that were uncontrollable. Um, so I was training for a marathon at the time, and look, we all think it's great to eat healthy and eat right, and then that's exactly what I set out to do. I tried to control my diet, and um, I ate lots of vegetables and protein and protein shakes, and two weeks into this diet, I actually found myself starting to become quite fearful of certain food groups, and didn't think too much of it. I thought that this was just me being more dedicated to the task at hand, training for the marathon, but as time went on, I found myself jumping on the scales. Um, the once or twice a day turned into four to six times a day, um, wow. of which I then identified, yeah, there, there was an issue here. Um, and look, I think that's the most terrifying part is, is realizing that things are getting a little bit out of hand and you're not even sure how to speak about it. And um, speaking about it in the first instance was the most significant thing to do, just to vocalize and break the silence of what was going on in my mind. Um, and it certainly hasn't been a quick fix, you know, like, uh, and I started off as, as traditionally seen as anorexia nervosa and it quickly turned into bulimia nervosa, which was for me eating excessive amounts of food and, uh, and ridding myself of it through making myself unwell or, or running for three hours or four hours at a time. And, um, you know, at one stage it did really had a peak of about 16 times a day I would overeat then then do these various activities to rid myself of it and it was just completely got out of control um the irony of eating disorders is that you seek control you, you tend to lose it entirely through the course of the eating disorder um and uh look it's been such a, t a journey of self-discovery for me is to look into research as to how to you know, free myself of an eating disorder. I don't think there's actually ever a cure because I think it's like m most mental health. I think it's um, it's it's management, you know, and just keeping yourself accountable for it. Wow! And the, j just to let everybody know as well, um, another another reason why we're talking about this. Um, when Luke first started talking to me um, personally about this, he uh, came out with the stat that. About and correct me if I'm wrong. About a third of young men with uh, an eating disorder actually die from it, which I thought was a incredibly scary. Um, not just because of the stat, but that nobody's talking about this. That I'd never heard this stat, and that we we never hear about these types of um, mental health issues with with younger men. Yeah, that's exactly right, Ed, and it's um. Look, it's absolutely terrifying, to be honest, um, and it's certainly a statistic I want to see lowered in my lifetime, that's for sure, and I think the ba best way to do that is through actually talking about it. Uh, I think it's also realising that, look, eating disorders between male and female aren't that different. Um, they are quite traditionally seen in the same ways. At the same time, though, I think the... Uh, body dysmorphia topic is one of which needs to be raised too. Um, going to the gym every day and getting very anxious about missing a workout um, may not be seen as a big issue, yet it actually can be. And uh, I think that's something that needs to be talked about too, is just uh, 
it's not about necessarily seeing a friend who's stick thin or afraid to eat a hamburger. Um, sometimes that is the case, but also it can be somebody who's constantly worried about eating healthy foods um, or eating a lot of food, but very, very cautious of what those, fo- those food groups are. Um, and the the biggest thing about eating disorders Ed, is that you are very good at keeping secrets when it comes to them. Um, these can be very well um, hidden. Um, and uh, and the reason being is that it's very embarrassing for some people to talk about them. Um, so I think the biggest things we can look out for when we see friends that may be struggling or think that they're struggling is to, to really put less emphasis on one's body or image. Um you know, show your appreciation for your friends because of the, the attributes that those friends have in their personalities. Um, and when you put more weight on the person's values or, or character rather than the way they look, that can really help um, alleviate some of the stress. Look, I think we've all been watching, and, and surely all listeners have been watching recently, 13 Reasons Why. And... Uh, mm. Something that, I, that I've been struck by, and I think everybody has, is how we need to look out for for one another and try and empathize or see what, what people might be feeling, even if they're not showing it. I mean, is there is there anything in general that people can try to look out for? You know, were there, were there any signs that you, you maybe subconsciously were trying to put out there so people would notice, but um, people didn't pick up on? Yeah, absolutely. And look, as much as there's secrecy around eating disorders, I do think some of the signs can be very obvious and not on all occasions. So, you look, I don't think there's any reason for somebody to to feel guilty or bad if they do find a friend has had an eating disorder for quite some time and they never knew. Um, that is unbelievably common. At the same time, when one has an eating disorder, um, their behaviours become very normal to them even though they may not be at all. Uh, for me, it did become quite obvious with friends when I was restricting my food intake. Um, you know, I was adamant on going for a two-hour run every morning. Um, I used to always cook my own food when I went away to a friend's batch or holiday home. And uh, and I, I set up very, very rigid rules. Um, and the weight loss was very obvious. I did start to lose a lot of weight. Um, I think the challenge can be when it's not traditionally anorexia, um, and it can be either binge eating or bulimia. Um, and uh, look, I think we can we can often point the finger at people that may be overweight and just say that they have a lack of control. And there could be a lot of reasons why one may be putting on so much weight. Uh, and the same with bulimia. Most people that are bulimic are actually normal body weight. So for that reason, it can be very hard to tell from the appearance. Um, I think the biggest thing is actually just keeping an eye on how friends are eating um, and how they view themselves is a big one. Um, eating disorders are often stemmed by uh, an all-or-nothing mentality, um, whereas it's this diet or it's the highway, or um, I'm going to give my job 120% or I'm not going to turn up at all. And, and that extreme thinking in life um, is very dangerous um, and it's very short-lived because, as we all know, life's very grey. So it's helping friends, if you do identify that thinking in them, to help them see that, um, one, they don't need to have such high expectations of them and um, and then it's okay to actually just be okay. Um, mm. But there's always, there's, always, there's always a reason for the eating, absolutely. 
And so it's to realize it's far more than just the food. Yeah. Even if I can share a, a story that only in retrospect um, do I recognize might have been a sign, because we've spent a, a lot of time together, um, you know, both both before and after we had that first conversation. We're quite, quite often after we had AYP committee meetings, we'd all go out for dinner afterwards. And now that I think back, you'd always say things like, oh, I've already, I've already eaten. And um, mm. which, which, you know, seem, seems like, like really valid. Like, oh, okay. Like you're not, you're not, you're never going to push that. Uh, and excuse me, stumbling over my words, this is, you know, a hard topic for, for me to discuss. Um, and I'm being very careful of my words as well, um, which is to some degree not like me. Um, but, but, you know, in, in retrospect, that almost seems quite, quite obvious. And I can't believe that I didn't miss, that I did miss that. Look, there's a really hard, I think, stage of with one's eating disorder where it it's, can be very easy for somebody to keep it secret for a long time. But anybody with an eating disorder, as time goes on, loathes it. And there's so much comfort that's found in the eating disorder. It's what they know. Um, but at the same time, they wish they didn't have it. And they wish they could um, just go out for a meal with friends and not think anything about it or um, have a Coke and not be worried if it's diet or not. Um, and, uh, and so for that reason, once one gets to a stage where they know they need help, the best thing you can do is actually to make yourself accountable. Um, and when you make yourself accountable to people by actually making it a little bit more known, it makes situations like that where you and I go out for dinner much harder to actually do with ease. Um, they start to be questioned more by friends. Um, and, uh, and it also is a really good way of then enabling a conversation where you say, look, I haven't actually had dinner yet. We are going out for dinner. I'm terrified about this, but it's great to know that you're here with me. Mm. Um, and look, I'm not saying that makes it easy at all, um, and, uh, but it certainly is, the, is one of the steps of, of moving forward. Mm. And I, I do want to come back to this about friends, friends going out for dinner um, once you know or you've had a conversation about it, but can I just ask you something, which I don't, I don't mean this to sound trivial, but I really want to ask, you know, you're still going through this. Are you scared? Because I'm scared for you. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Petrified. But um, I've learned to, yeah, I've learned to, um, to accept that fear. Uh, the fear um, of the unknown of life was was a big thing for me, and that's what I sought to control. Um, and so, uh, the thing with eating disorders is that as time goes on, like any of us, or you may have things in life like habits, um, they become very habitual and and very natural to do. There are go tos, right? So, for me, as time went on, any emotion. Um, and that may not even be a bad emotion. It may be a really positive one, like great news. My way of expressing that was through food. And so um, for me over these last particularly five to six months has been stripping those coping mechanisms away and coming face to face with that fear um, that we just talked about. And um, look, I... I am really encouraged by some of the facilities that are currently available for people with eating disorders here in New Zealand. Um, and that mental health, I like to call mind health, um, is being more broadly talked about. 
at the same time, there, there needs to be profound change in that space. Um, and the, the rate of particularly men that are undiagnosed by their own general practitioner or doctor um, mm. is exponentially high. Um, just because even in the clinical mind, it's not seen to be as uh, as common um, or doesn't really happen with males, whereas it does. And I want to emphasize, too, that um, it's not just amongst um, the gay or bisexual or LGBT community. Um, yes, it's higher, but for straight males um, and females in the community that have an eating disorder, look, it's not, it's not gender-biased whatsoever. Um, and so... Uh, I'd love to see that conversation be based. Yeah. Mm. And ju- just on um, undiagnosed males, I know that you had uh, a- an experience with um, a-, a general practitioner. Do you want to share that? Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, this was uh, a couple of years in, and um, I'd actually gone to the doctor to, uh, to to talk about my eating disorder. So it wasn't it wasn't at all hidden. Um, and I said to the, the male practitioner, I said, look, I'm really struggling with body dysmorphia. My weight says I'm actually at a low weight and BMI. Um, however, when I look at myself, I see something quite different. You wouldn't believe it. He turned around and said to me, uh, look, the best way of, of, of approaching this is if you look in the mirror and you think you look fat, well, then you probably do. If you look in the mirror and you can see your bones and you know your ribs sticking out a bit, well, then you probably put on a bit of weight. And if you think you look all right, well, then you're probably within your right BMI. And I was just completely and utterly gobsmacked. And, I mean, I left there and changed my doctor immediately. But it just, you know, I'd love to see that be minimized by far because I just think that approaches like that, um, particularly in the medical field, are unbelievably damaging. Um, uh, But you know what? I mean, there are so many doctors out there at the same time Mm. and practitioners that are doing a phenomenal job. So... Um, it's just about keeping that the right tide going, yeah. And without ad- admonishing that GP too much, I wonder whether that's also just a sign that we need to talk about these issues more. That yes, perhaps yeah. he he didn't realise the extent. Yeah, absolutely. And like we talked about before, with regards to my fear of the eating disorder, um, and as much as there's fear. Believe it or not, I'm actually really excited. Um, I think there's an opportunity here rather than an issue. Um, yes, it's it's a mind health um, predicament that people find themselves in, but you can be cured from an eating disorder. You can overcome it. And um, I think that's the biggest thing for people to remember too. And look, as much as the statistics at this stage indicate um, quite a lengthy time for people to overcome eating disorders, I actually believe that that will be reduced as time goes on because people will actually start the first stage of voicing what's going on in their lives or voicing their concerns um, before they escalate. Um, Prevention is always so much easier than later down the track. Um, But at the same time, for those people that may have had an eating disorder their entire lives, um, it's never too late. Um, And that's so important for people to remember. I want to pick you up on that point because I remember sitting in the bar with you um, and I, I thought we were going to talk about PR that night uh, or something along those lines. <laughs> and um, I, I was sort of dumbstruck, first, first of all, about the topic because I wasn't prepared for it, but more about your, your really positive attitude towards it. 
because I was sort of sitting there thinking, I can't believe we're talking about this, and then he's smiling, and he's got such a, a, a positive attitude about it. And what I was really struck by was your your willingness and your drive and your desire to see the positive side of where you're at. And I thought that was really admirable. Well, to be honest, look, the past four years have been, there's been some really, really big Everest to have to climb. Um, I'm sure there were several. Very, yeah, very, very tough at times. But you know what? I, I am actually grateful for the eating disorder. And I say that because um, I think any form of, of health that we, we come face to face with, um, we start to realize some of the basics of life and just, I guess, one, how fragile it is, but two, the significance of just human connection um, and, and vulnerability. And so for me, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about how when we are more vulnerable as people, um, privately or professionally, um, I think that's when true human connection actually happens. Um, and ultimately, I think that's all that we all that we really want. You know, we, we want our mates to be genuine mates and, and cut to the chase, really. Um, and, and the same at work, I'd say, too. Now, obviously, yes, there's some boundaries and there's, 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 there's fine lines we stick to. But, um, yeah, I think, that, I think there's exponential opportunity here. And um, I'm excited, I guess, because... As much as it has been quite a challenge for me to navigate through um, the health system, I would love to think that for somebody in my shoes in 10 years' time, if I put in some hard yards, then it could be a lot easier. And, uh, and that can make a much quicker um, result for that person than it has been for me. And for that reason, I get really excited about it. Um, and can, yeah. can I ask, how, how far through the process from... I guess, realization to recovery. And I'm not sure if it is, uh, I imagine it's not a linear process, but let's assume that there, there is a starting point and an hmm. end point of realization to recovery. Where would you put yourself on that spectrum at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's, there is such thing as, um, in this case, uh, 100% recovery. I think it, it gets to a point where you realize that um, this is a coping mechanism you've realized has worked for you in the short term and uh, you have a choice throughout your entire life to to pull out this this card and use it for the short term um, but it's not the healthiest way to live and mm. uh, and ultimately it could be a very destructive one if you let it continue on and so for me it will always be accountability um, you know I still have days where I want to eat the entire cupboard at home um, I have days where I um, have a choice when I get given a flat white um, whether to make it trim or not. And if it's not trim, will I be really anxious about that? Um, it's, it's really, for me, it's, it's a day-by-day thing. and It's actually a meal-by-meal um, decision I have to make. Um, and accountability on a personal basis. I mean, how accountable am I to myself? Um, and where do I let my thoughts go when I eat certain food? So, look, I, I'm... I'm so much more free than where I used to be. Um, and I'd say the biggest contributing factor to that has been actually talking to friends about it. Um, yeah, that was my been, next question about yeah. how has it been since... Uh, what, what is the term? Is the term coming out? I'm, I'm trying to be extremely careful with my language here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, as I said earlier, there's, there's often a, 
a reason why you're seeking control through an eating disorder. And believe me, that can be very hard to discover. For me, it actually was me to come out. Um, I, I was a gay, well, obviously still am a gay male and, and, uh, had hidden that so far away within me, in my psyche that, um, the eating disorder was a, was a great coping mechanism for that. Uh, by actually coming out, that, that took a huge weight off the actual eating disorder. And so it really reduced its effect on my life. Um, at the same time, I guess you're right, almost coming out to friends with the actual secret of the eating disorder um, freed me a hell of a lot more. Um, and I think what was so significant about doing that was it made me realize that everybody has their own um, challenges, has their own mm-hmm. insecurities. And actually by realizing that, it took pretty much the entire weight of the eating disorder away. Um, I think there was a stage of it continuing on because I felt as though um, maybe I felt emotions far more than anybody else or um, I was more anxious than anybody else. Whereas, in fact, a lot of people, were just ha- uh, I guess, deal with it in different ways and there are healthier ways of dealing with it. So, yeah. Can yeah. I ask you, say that there's... There's somebody out there listening to this. There's a person out there who's struggling with an eating disorder who hasn't told anybody about it. What, how would you describe your friend's reactions when you started telling them? If, if they're uh, considering it, what would you say to that person? Well, my friends are amazing. And I, I mean, I like to think that I've got some, <laughs> some good friends. But um, look, I, I think people in general will respond pretty well. Um, and well, very well. I think the biggest thing to realize is that when you tell somebody, um, not everybody's going to understand. Um, and, uh, and that's okay. Um, and it's okay for you not to understand what it's about either. Um, probably there's a few things here. Number one, if, if you're starting to struggle with either body image or food and diet, um, or excessive exercise, there, there are some great resources available just online by actually Googling eating disorders. It's the Eating Disorder Association. And, and just, you know, even do a bit of a, a self-test as to if you think you've actually got some sort of um, ways of thinking there and some food issues. Um, and, uh, and if you actually have got an eating disorder, um, it's, yeah, as I say, just, just start to voice it with your friends and, and give them time to to learn to understand, encourage them to do some reading themselves and some research mm-hmm. um, and uh, and get the professional help that you really deserve. Um, and that's the biggest thing is that you do deserve it. Um, so much of eating disorders comes back to self-worth and self-esteem. So um, reaching out for help can be the hardest thing to do. I'm kind of glad that you said it's okay for people not to understand because I remember we when we started talking about this, I remember thinking... You know, or let me take a step back. Everybody, when somebody, something bad happens to somebody, everybody always says, oh, I totally understand. That happened to me as well. (laughs) And I remember sitting there thinking, I do not understand. I have not been through this. I have no idea what you're going through. Uh, And and I don't know or, well, I'm still figuring out how to try and support you in the best way um, so that I'm actually being helpful rather than a Mm. hindrance. I mean... what would you say has been the most helpful for your friends to do? Or what are some ways that people out there maybe 
so one of their friends has said, "Hey, I've got I've got um, an eating disorder, or I need, I need some some mind health." Um, what are some helpful things that they can do? And I think the very best thing somebody could ever do in such a situation when it comes to mind health, just generally, is is just listen, um, and that's really listen. You know, just be a listening ear and and. Um, and just be there. I think that's the biggest thing for somebody that may be wrestling with some thoughts and some ways of thinking, which they themselves don't understand. Um, and uh, just by having a friend that's willing to give them time to hear those out um, just makes such a difference. Uh, I think the greatest thing is, particularly with eating disorders, is not to put emphasis on body and weight. Um, one of the biggest things I had was, um, you know, I had people say to me things like, um, oh, if only I had problems uh, under eating, it'd be, it'd be great. You know, I've been trying to lose weight or... Wait, um, really? Somebody said that to you? Yeah, absolutely. And I must admit, I, th- wow. I, mean, I think that's just, you know, and it's not to criticize those people. I think it's just a lack of understanding. And I just think uh, if people truly knew what it's like to stare at a a piece of pizza <laughs> That's and not pretty be able to actually really. pick it up is, is really tricky, you know? Um, so I think it's just about really monitoring what you do say with regards to weight and body. Um, look, that person's not the person to talk to about how you're needing to lose 10 kilos or how you're um, training for a bodybuilding competition. Mm. Um, and look, it's okay for you maybe to do those things in your own life, but that's not the best person to probably be talking to about those things. Um as well as that, it's just about trying to normalize your own eating around that person, if possible, um, without putting too much emphasis on it. So, um, What do you mean by somebody, that? So I guess um, when you do eat around that person, it, it can be really useful just to eat a wide variety of food groups. Uh, maybe don't be obsessive yourself with um, only eating salads around that particular friend. Um, but, you know, I think, I think what's really valuable is is just appreciating that person, um, really compliment that person, cheer that person on in the areas of their life that they're doing well. Um, with eating disorders, what tends to happen, kind of like a pie chart, you put a lot of emphasis, 95% per se, on your weight. And your career may be 2% of that. Your mm-hmm. contribute, you know, contribution to your friends may make up 1%, a little sliver. Your contribution to your family may make another 1%. Whereas those things actually, in reality, are far greater than what you look like. Um, we're not friends with our friends because of how much they weigh or whether they've got a six-pack. I know mm. I'm certainly not. <laughs> and, <it's>, uh, <laughs> you want to be friends those, with, with me if they were. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, no. But it's, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest thing is actually really starting to redirect that way of thinking. Um you know, Ed, I really value you because you're great at this or nice work on that project. Like, that was absolutely brilliant. And it sounds really cliche, but seriously, it makes a massive difference. Mm. I mean, that's a, mm. that's a really good point that I think most people, or certainly I, had had not considered even before this conversation now about taking the emphasis away from the body. Um, just circling back a little bit, we've also had a lot of conversations in the past about what the the things that people say that are well-meaning but really are not helpful. And a couple of the examples that um, that we talked about is if I was to come up um, to, to you and say something like, oh, you're looking really good today, which, or mm. you're looking really healthy today, which, which you, you might take as, 
or I'm looking a bit, you know, what are you saying? Am I a bit pudgy or something? Mm, mm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that just totally comes back to just trying to just take the whole conversation away from the body. Um, and uh, look, when I had people tell me that I looked healthy, it made me feel as though, yeah, they were saying essentially you've put on weight. Um, and believe it or not, when people told me uh, at one stage that, um, crikey, have you lost a lot of weight? That to me was them cheering me on. It really was a way of saying, awesome, you know, I'm I'm losing weight and people can tell and mm. I'm in control. And um, look, I think the power of eating disorders comes from a lot of, um, you know, it's not just traditional magazines as we know eating disorders to come from or, or models overseas. Yes, that's a part of it. But so much of our daily life now is, is around healthy eating and weight loss and trying to be fitter and healthier. So often these eating disorders actually come from a really healthy place. Um, a lot of people that get into eating disorders were at one stage, um, you know, maybe overweight. Um, and for their health, actually, could have, could have done with maybe losing a few kilos. Um, while it set out to be a healthy motivation, got out of control. Um, and so... It's just about really trying to pull that back, and and um, yeah, you're completely right. There are, there are a lot of well-intended things that people say. That um, I mean, hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I think the biggest biggest thing is just education. Just trying to do a bit of reading yourselves, and for each eating disorder, um, namely, you know, anorexia nervosa, bulimia, and binge eating, there are quite different traits and behaviours to recognise for each of those. So if you do find out that a friend or loved one is battling with such um, disordered eating or the likes of yourself, do some some thorough research on a specific eating disorder if you can. Um, and look, people don't always fit those categorically. They may go across all three. And so it's just about really trying to look out for those signs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I even remember you mentioning that, you know, about Ed, if you want to, if you want to be be mindful when we're going out, you know, just just thinking about things. Um, if we're at, a, if we're around the table with with a friend group, um, it wouldn't be helpful if you were to say something along the lines of, "Oh, Arthur, you fatty, look at you eating that burger or whatever. Look at look at what you're eating." Because if you're around the table, then it doesn't normalize food, and really, that's what it's got to come back to. Yeah, that's right. And uh, look, I don't think it's about getting too analytical about what we say and what we don't say because that can become over-encompassing. But I think um, it's it's realising that what we do today is we often put um, good and bad emotives to, to food. So we will say things like, oh, I'm being naughty today, I'll just order some chips. Or I'm being good today and I'll order a salad. Now, look, one without an eating disorder wouldn't really be thinking about the deep connotations of what they're saying, and I don't blame them at all. Um, when you have an eating disorder, you tend to interpret interpret that as maybe I actually am bad, and you internalise it on a very personal basis, which, look, can sound quite silly. And uh, and from a rational mind, it in some ways is. But when you, when you have an eating disorder, um, you know, you internalise those in a much greater sense. Um, and given the circumstances of eating disorders, it's very natural to do that. So it's not that you're a loony tune or anything. <laughs> it's just it's just what it's about. And so by taking that away, you know, really does normalise it. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's the thing that 
I, I really like what you said before about taking it away from the disorder, putting it onto, you know, put it onto something else. You know, talk about the other things in their lives that that they are succeeding at. Because if we're coming back to this pie chart analogy, if they're only putting five percent. Uh, focus on the rest of their lives then when you when you compliment that side they're probably thinking oh yeah like i'm doing okay in that in this area or yeah yes. i actually i am succeeding yeah that's exactly it and it's over time it's really changing um the makeup of that pie chart um so eventually i mean i would love to think that one with an eating disorder one day say crikey you know my um my physical appearance has actually nothing to do with my identity. My identity is defined by the value I add to my friends and my family and just who I am when I'm just me. Um, and I think that's eventually that's, that's really where people want to go. Um, and I, I think that's right across the board mm. for anybody um, with an eating disorder or not. You know, um, We want to be valued by our loved ones, by simply who we are, um, not because of the career we have, the body we have, or the money we bring in, you know? And, yeah. and I think this is something else, a, a conversation that's becoming more and more common in the workplace is how does your personal life or your home life a- affect work? And how does, and both, and the other way, of course, um, because... Absolutely, yeah. You know, there, you, back when I was, you know, five to ten years old, that is, um, I remember people used to say, well, you know, you leave your work at work and you leave your home at home, but that's just, it, it, it can't be that way. You know, humans aren't geared to be like that. We, we take our emotional baggage with us. You can't check it at the door. They affect each other. And so it needs to be a conversation, I believe, um, both at home and the workplace and wherever you go. Yeah, absolutely, Ed. And like, you know, there is so much positivity in this in this way of thinking too, because as much as my eating disorder at one time really seep its way through various aspects of my life, um, by facing it head on and stepping into this place of recovery um, and voicing it more, um, the positive traits of, of my personal life, I totally believe are being brought in and will be brought into my professional life too. Um, by learning to become more accepting of myself I believe you learn to become so much more accepting of other people um, and by learning to just um, be more um, aware of yourself you're more aware of other people and there's just so much uh, I guess so many transferable skills that come from taking a journey like this um, so uh, I mean a, a huge component of it is emotional intelligence which as we know is just becoming more and more poignant and and professional environments and it should be um to manage people well and to do business well emotional intelligence is so key um and uh eating disorders are certainly and mind health is certainly entwined with that look just before we wrap up as well can i ask is there are there any other particular places where people can go to to seek support or find help uh, there are, yeah. So, look, as as corny as it may sound, I think the best best place to go is actually Google. Um, do <laughs> research there because th- there are some great forums available online. Now, not all of those are going to be here in New Zealand, but um, some of them are, um, and there are some international ones. And I think whether you're wanting to speak to somebody here or overseas, I think the very fact of just having somebody to talk to in a similar situation 
can just make a huge difference. Um, it can also be a really helpful way to, uh, if you're not quite ready for going face-to-face with somebody, um, to have that safety net of you can talk to somebody from the comforts of your own home about something so personal um, and, and it's not that confronting. So I'd really encourage you to give that a go. Um, and there are some really useful um, spreadsheets that you can work through um, online as well, um, self-help. Um, but look, there are some free um mental health practitioners out there in the community and um, I'd really encourage anybody that um, either feels they're, they're on the verge of, of having an eating disorder or has one themselves to to get somebody that actually specialises in eating disorders. I think it's really important to get somebody that has the experience of managing them um, and, um, and trying to, as time goes on, get that community around you and I'm telling you that the first person you tell, it will be absolutely terrifying. But as time goes on, that does get so much more easier. And uh, and the freedom you'll have in life, believe me, is is so worth it. Um, it's so worth it, yeah. yeah. But watch this space because as much as there's not too much here in New Zealand right now, I'd like to think that will be soon. Fantastic. And hopefully uh, the young professionals communities can be part of that as well. Look, just, just to wrap up, I remember, again, when we were sitting in this bar in Remuera, you sort of shared this vision with me about where you wanted to get to. Do you remember what you said? Uh, remind me. Remind <laughs> me. <laughs> I'll start you off. I remember you saying that your I, the ideal place where you wanted to get to was oh, you wanted. Sure. Do you want to finish it off? Yeah, that's right. Um, there had been years under my belt where I hadn't one cooked a dinner. Um, there was two years I hadn't cooked a dinner, um, not for myself or for anybody else. Um, and being able to eat a meal without any emotional connotation with that. Now I'm talking about, you know, feeling angry at myself for eating or or anxious or whatever. Um, and look, there was actually about three months ago I cooked a meal and I have been, I have been since thankfully. Um, but, um, I cooked my first meal by myself, nobody there and, and, uh, and it was just simply a wholesome meal, and um, yeah, it was it was pretty incredible. How do you how how did it feel? I'm not one for crying usually at all. Um, I wish I was, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I certainly shed a tear. Um, for me, that was incredibly moving. It was just. Yeah, just such a poignant moment of just stepping into that that sense of freedom. And um, but what I think is so powerful is that I still have days where I really struggle with food and I still have moments, as I say, where it can be really, really challenging. Um, and I think there will be an element to that that it always will be. I think for somebody that may battle with alcoholism or drug abuse or um, just excessive exercise or, or, or work workaholic, for instance, um, that temptation to go back to that behavior, I think there's always there. Um, but we do have a choice. And I think that when you start to practice out that choice more and feel more ease in doing so, it's incredible. And the relationships, Ed, you know, like some of the friendships I've had this year, just within six months, I felt has deepened um, to a different level just because they see me and my wholeness and they've they've accepted me and my wholeness. And I think that's really powerful. Mm. Yeah. Even our friendship is, is much closer than it, than it ever was. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's just about putting your full self in front of somebody when ready, you know, is is significant. 
Yeah. And and that's also, I think, allowed me to, you know, you being far more vulnerable has sort of made me be like, oh, mm. I, I can do that too. You know, I, I can share things too that I, I might not otherwise yeah, totally. ha- have told totally. you. Yeah. But I think this has been an incredibly, um, I think it's an incredibly powerful message to get out there. And I'm really glad that... Um, You've you've been keen to come on. I think it's incredibly brave of you to come and share your story, um, and and try and get that message out to to young professionals across the country. Yeah, great. Thanks, Ed. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast. I am your host, Ed McKnight. Now, if you're keen for more content like that, please hit subscribe in your favourite podcast listing app. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud. We're pretty much on all of them. Uh, Also, check us out on Facebook. We are NZ Young Professionals Podcast or also on nzyoungprofessionalspodcast.com. Until next time. The New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, hosted by Ed McKnight and brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand.